With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kyrie Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And Happy New Year, folks. Appreciate you tuning in this year and past. Hopefully in the future, as a lot, I think, some, a lot of things to be done this offseason. Whether it's exciting or good or not, we'll see. And we won't see until next year when the season begins again. So we're going to get a bunch of offseason moves. A lot of speculation about what those moves meant before we finally get to the season, but it's certainly going to be interesting. So anyways, but I do want to thank you for always tuning in. And I do wish you a very happy new year. And there you go. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. And if you are watching this, oh, by the way, um, I do expect to have another live stream show on Tuesday night and hopefully do another mini film review Tuesday morning, but we'll see. Um, if, if there isn't one, then Tuesday night, I'll be still be doing the show. Also, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I am not recording this from the game because I had to watch a game at home, very much under the weather, and don't have a lot of energy here, folks. So I'm going to try and keep this um, somewhat tighter and concise and then get you in and out. And so you can go have a happy new year and I can go take a nap. Um, but it's the first home game I've missed since 2000 when my grandmother died and coincident, you know, for whatever it's worth. That was the same. That was the game I missed was the game. It was North Turner's last game. Um, anyway, let's get to the game. Starting with that quarterback, Jacoby Brissett could not go. He has a hamstring injury, and he worked out before the game. Nikki Javala tweeted some video of it so I could see how the workouts went. You could see the disappointment or maybe some frustration on his face as he headed back to the locker room. Just couldn't go. And for anybody wondering about his motives, Jacoby Brissett's a pro. If he didn't want to play in this game, he'd have told them earlier. He wouldn't go through a charade like this. So anyway, that, you know, so anyway, you can cool your jets on that. But Brissett's a pro. What this, there are a couple of things from this game that I want to get into. A lot of big picture, Sam Howell, Brian Robinson, Terry McLaurin, um, some of the young guys. But I'm going to start with the fact that they weren't embarrassed. And I know that was one of the concerns going into this. Would they be embarrassed? They were missing a lot of guys. They're but they're just not good enough. It wasn't about an embarrassment. They were not embarrassed. They were blown out or there was a handled, but the Niners are just that much better. This team is not equipped to beat a team like the 49ers right now. Not with this, they, I don't even, not even at full strength. And then less when you don't have certain guys in secondary, certain guys up front. And did he, you know, I don't even know that it made a difference that all those guys were missing up front anyway. So they were not equipped to win this game. They were not embarrassed. And I think one of the things that you look at is the effort they gave throughout the game. This team has not quit. I think you can look at last week's game, the comeback, this week's game, the effort. I think it was there. They're just not good enough. 
So I, I look at the last one of the last drives that the, the defense had the fourth down stand. And I know the Niners were going to kick a field goal at that point, but they still had to stop them. And they did. And I think it mattered to them because you could see the enthusiasm when they did stop them. I think that's good. It speaks volumes about the kind of guys they have on this roster. <clears throat> they're going to change. They're going to change the coaches. They're going to make a lot of other changes, but you want to make sure you have guys in the roster who want to compete. They're going to change the roster over as well. But you need to have those guys that want to compete, and I think they did. Then you have another play where on the interception where Terry McLaurin chases down a guy, the ball's blown dead. <clears throat> the guy, or not blown dead, but I don't think they knew. But McLaurin gets knocked down. Um, it was the first interception where he's inside inside the ten yard line, inside the five, and or inside the ten yard line, and McLaurin, excuse me, the the defensive back gets knocked down. McLaurin gets knocked down too. I'm going to back up a minute. McLaurin gets knocked down. The defensive back bounces up, takes start taking off downfield. McLaurin gets up, kind of jogs. Then you just see late in the picture, McLaurin is catching him down the field. That's effort. That's the kind of guy you want leading this team and being a part of a turn of a team that's going to try and turn around next year. But that's the kind of effort you want to see. And I think that was there today for them. Again, they're just not good enough. So a couple of important things too: draft standing. Right now, as I record this, they're picking second overall in the draft. New England, at one point earlier today, New England nosed ahead of them to third and Washington dropped to fourth. But then Arizona wins and some, some you know, Washington now is elevated to second. They've got just a slight edge ahead of New England for that second pick. But there are going to be multiple games that matter in that for the strength of schedule. So that's just going to be, you're going to have to just kind of pay attention to it. It's going to be like watching the NASDAQ or something like that. It's just going to change. Um, but if you want to see, follow it and monitor all this, tankathon.com, that's your best friend. It's my best friend right now when I go to you know this. So that's where you want to go and check out all this information. They update it pretty, pretty immediate. So again, right now they're sitting at number two, Chicago sitting at number one because Carolina clinched that top spot, but they gave it to the Bears. But they wish they had it now, but they gave it to the Bears. And so the Bears are going to either pick somebody or, tr or maybe trade that pick um, <clears throat> because it's going to be worth a lot, I think. But in the cold question there is, will they stick with Justin Fields? I think when you talk to people who who know the Bears and, and what's going on there, they don't even know what they're going to do because I don't think the Bears truly know what they're going to do. And Justin Fields has been playing better down the stretch. So do you just stick with him or do you go with a Caleb Williams or Drake May or whatever you want to do? If you know, but if Washington finishes second, they're going to have their choice of the second quarterback in the draft, if nothing else. And that's if they want to go in that direction as well. We don't know who's going to coach here, who the GM is running the show. So it's kind of hard to say what they're going to do. But you absolutely know you have to look at quarterback because the problem had the, the quarterback position has not been solved. I'll get to that in a minute with Sam Howell. But there's a lot of room to go on that. And we're going to spend a lot of time in the offseason discussing that. But right now, Washington sitting number two, tankathon.com. That's your best friend. Also, on, as far as the, the scheduling goes for 2024, what was clinched today, Washington clinched last place in the NFC East. That means they're going to play the commonplace finisher in the NFC West. That means they're going to play at Arizona next year. They still have two other games to decide. Um, actually, one other game has been decided as well. They're going to host the Tennessee Titans commonplace finisher in, in the AFC South. The only game left to be decided for next year's schedule is the commonplace finisher from the NFC North. That will be a home game. Yeah, that will be a home game. There are a bunch of teams tied with seven wins. So as I record this, I don't know who's going to finish last, but that's the last one to be decided. 
<clears throat> so let's get onto the game and Sam Howell because listen, he was a not a surprise starter, but he was not going to start, and then he did. How would he respond? And one thing I think that I would always go back to with Howell is I don't worry how he responds to things because I think his temperament and his makeup is really, really good. But you also know, like he hasn't been playing well, and there's a confidence thing with it too. And pro athletes deal with confidence issues just like anybody else at anybody any level because it's all relative to where you're at. And you can believe in what you can do, but maybe you're playing just a little bit differently because you don't have that same level of confidence as when you were going well. Um, didn't like that they started him off with three straight pass plays against that that defense. Really didn't like that at all. And um, I don't think you're giving your guy a shot to do that, a shot to excel when you start doing that. And I think we saw that in the subsequent series in the first half where I felt like they were a lot more balanced using that run a little bit, a lot more. I think it helped Howell settle in. It it took off the pressure from him to do everything in that first half because that's what it was looking like. That's what it had been like in other games. But then, then Howell actually got into, I wouldn't say a necessary rhythm because it wasn't like he just boom, 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 but he was able to make some plays. And he made the play, that 42-yard pass play to McLaurin was a really nice throw. And I also like... It was the 49ers don't play a lot of man. They played man there. He had McCorn up as a number two receiver to the right. And so Howell knows he's got man coverage. That's where you go is to your guy, number 17. And that's what he did. So just step back, hold the safety, get to the right, lost it. Really nice touch on the ball. One of his better throws in a few weeks, just as far as the everything that comes with it. Then he completes a drive with a three-yard touchdown pass to McCorn. Again, man and there's a lot of reason why that worked, but it also was a back shoulder pass. And one of the things that's funny, talking to coaches, talking to McLaurin, that he wants to get into that rhythm with the quarterback. And and I think on those couple of plays, it showed that he had that or was getting there, but that back shoulder is really what you kind of look for because that kind of gets you that, that in sync mode with the quarterbacks. Um, and that's what there was there. And it was a good throw from Howell, a nice job by, by McLaurin, what it shows from him, I'm going to get to in a minute, but it is physical toughness, all that stuff. But I think that was just a good job there. But then the interceptions, and that's that's where McClure, that's excuse me, that's where Howell has the big has a huge issue. So he's cut down on the sacks. They've done a good job with that, been getting rid of the ball better, but the interceptions are an issue. And that's now 19 on the season. That's the most a quarterback for Washington's thrown since Rex Grossman in 2011. And, you know, by context, why don't you go back to like, he's tied with guys like Joe Theismann and Sonny Jurgensen, who both threw 19 interceptions in various seasons, but different era. I know that, but it also shows you like, sometimes you throw a lot of picks for some reason, especially with this, in this organization, but those interceptions are a problem. And that was one of the issues that some people wondered about going into the season is how he would handle that. I didn't think he'd end up throwing 19. You figured kind of in that 12 to 13 range. I knew there'd be some, maybe even 14, 19, just way too many. And the good thing for him is I guess he's got one more touchdown pass and he's interceptions, but you kind of, if you're going to throw 19 picks, you'd kind of like to have about 35 touchdowns because it just means that gunslinger, but it's also benefiting your team. They just haven't benefited as much from what they need. You look at some of those throws and it just tells you where he's at. And you just wonder what this stretch has shown. Is he just really going to be a good backup or is he going to be a guy that's going to take a few years to develop into being a guy who could start? I'm not even saying develop by being on the field, but maybe by being in a system for a few years and then getting his chance again. 
when he maybe knows the system a little bit better and you're in better position maybe to succeed, whether it's here or somewhere else. Because I don't think there's a guarantee that if a new staff comes in, they're going to say, oh, we're just going to roll with him and he's going to get better because of this. I don't think that's any guarantee. Just like there's no guarantee a first-round quarterback would do well, there's no guarantee that how develops to what the, whatever the new group wants. So I think you're going to roll the dice with the guy that you're ready to roll the dice with, whether it's sticking or going over here in the draft. And chances are it's a new staff, not beholden to anybody, they're going to go get their guy typically. But again, for Howell, I think maybe the best thing for him would be is if a new coach comes in, you're in the same system for a couple of years, maybe then you, if you had to get in the game, you have a little bit more success because you're a little bit more familiar. Maybe they know you a little bit better and don't have this, this whole season-long feeling out period where they're trying to see what you can do. But you got to cut down on the turnovers. And that's that's a big problem. Uh, and on the on the one... It looks like I, it's hard to tell what really happened on that first one. He's under duress. Maybe do you just take the sack there? I don't, you know, at first you wondered about that, but I don't, I don't know that I do, but I think what happened on that play, you watch McLaurin settles, cuts really hard to the outside, then starts to fit, look like he's coming back inside, but almost looked like he's posting back up to the outside, but how clearly thinks he's coming inside and he throws it inside and it's picked. So whether it's a miscommunication on the same page, not seeing it right, that's something that those two, if they're going to continue together, would absolutely have to be on that quote unquote same page. And they weren't there. And the second one, Hal just didn't see the guy. And there was another one he should have thrown that he, there another pick that had dropped too, where it was just too far inside. I think it was to Curtis Samuel on this, the last one though, just didn't see the guy, the corner drops and Howell's looking to his left, comes back to the right, automatically goes, doesn't see him, pick, easy pick. So that's the problem. And you can't, the sacks are one thing. And I know it's funny because I know some people still think that, oh, the coach is putting his head on the sacks. If he kept taking the sacks at that rate, he's not playing, folks. The rate of sacks that he was at, the sack percentage was way too high. It was not sustainable. History tells you that. And physically, you know, that's the case too. So that was always going to be something he had to fix, but now it's on the interceptions. It's making better decisions and it's putting him in a situation. Can How much can the scheme help him? How much can others around him help? But he's got to help himself. And that's something that has to, that's with making better decisions, seeing the field a little bit better, whatever it is, getting on the same page. You know, it's all of that, but it didn't work. And that's why, that's one reason why and new groups coming in. One of the things that Howell had to do is make it a no-brainer to continue with his development. He has not done that over the last six, seven weeks. And that's why whoever comes in is going to be looking hard at these quarterbacks in the draft. He, you know, it had to be a, it shouldn't, it, it wasn't, a, it, you couldn't leave it in a situation like, oh, should you continue with Howell? Maybe he can develop. It's got to be a, no, you've got to continue with this guy. And there's no got to after what we've seen this year. There's a could he, like if they were picking 11th or 12th and you couldn't get a quarterback, well, then you can build around him. But if you're picking second and you have an option, you've got to look awfully, awfully, awfully hard at that second option, at that option to pick a quarterback. Because if you don't, then you're going to, you could set your organization back and, and by missing on a guy that you might really like. And, um, but my point is you had to make it a no brainer to continue. And how did not do that? Doesn't mean he can't play in this league. Doesn't mean he can't develop down the road. But it does mean that a new group is going to look awfully hard at a guy that they may want to, they may like a lot more. And you have to wonder too, for him, is some of it just being a first year guy? Is it just, is it scheme? Is it this? Is it that? Whatever. Is it just him? It 
is it all that? I mean, you the, the quarterback takes the responsibility because if he's playing well, people aren't going to say, oh, it's all this. They're going to say, hey, the kid's playing really well. So if he's not playing well, a lot of that's going to be on him. It has to be. But then you also look at the usage and could they have done a little bit more of the run pass balance to take some of the pressure off of him and not put it all on his shoulders and maybe balance some things out a little bit, help the defense out a little bit more. Could they have done that? Sure. But he still has to be able to make plays from the pocket and and do that and do be better in some of those areas. And that's going to be something that, you know, will will be looked at um, by whoever comes in. Like I said, I still think he can play in this league. It's just a matter to what level. But it's also, and it's funny because even before the season, one of the thought, one of the concerns I had, I mean, not concerns, but one of the questions I had is, and I talked to people who are close to him, I'd say like, the, he's going to get this chance this year, but will he have enough time to really fully develop? And by that, I meant, would he get next year as well? Because if he didn't make it a no-brainer, you knew that a new staff would come in and look hard at going in a, in a different direction. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Terry McLaurin, one of the things that I wanted to talk about too is, you know, thanks to my guy Logan Paulson, I I was turned on to this uh, podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. One of the topics on this one, this one of their last podcasts, Moving the Sticks, really good podcast, it was um, top ten receive top ten players at receiver at defensive end. What are their traits? What are the common traits that they may have? Because they're different sizes, they're different ability, they're different speed. But one of the things that they talked about, especially at receiver, was the, the toughness and the physical play. And that's McLaurin. McLaurin is not at the same level as some of those top guys. That's okay. He's a very, very good receiver, but he's got the t- toughness and the physical play, which is why he's elevated himself from a third round pick into being a very good receiver. And I think you saw it, you saw it on some of the more plays today. I think they need to do a better job of getting the ball throughout the game, but in that touchdown pass, you know, just gets in the receiver, breaks out, creates enough separation, but it's a tight throw and you can trust when you're throwing it to him that he's going to fight for that ball. That's why that guy has made himself into, again, a really good receiver in this league, but that's one of the traits that they talked about. And when they were talking about it, my first thought was, that's McLaurin just at a slightly lower level than the A.J. Browns or the Tariq Hills. But he's got that toughness and he's got that competitiveness. It's why you want to pair him with a good quarterback at some point in his career. There you go. But it's, you know, I think we saw that. And again, I pointed out the effort earlier. That's that competitiveness in him, too. The guy doesn't, the guy was, he's not going to quit. And I think, you know, you want a lot of guys like that on your roster. And that's the kind of guys you want to. And it's funny because the other thing they talked about in this podcast was, 
if you want to have tough a tough team, you draft tough players. And I'm all, <laughs> it's a basic thing, but I'm a huge believer in that because sometimes I remember there were some players they drafted here in the past who they weren't considered a tough player in college. Then they get here and the coaches complain he's not a tough player. Well, then what the hell did you draft him for? It's stupid. If you don't if you don't think he's a tough player in college, he's not going to be a tough player in the NFL. If he's a tough player in college. He'll be a tough guy in the NFL. I think there's sometimes when you look at traits, you see the speed, you see this, you see that, but you've got to look at competitiveness. You've got to look at that toughness and you've got to fill your team with a lot of guys like that. Again, sounds very basic because sometimes you get overwhelmed by somebody's talent and you can't pass it up. But sometimes in overlooking attributes of someone who maybe doesn't have that speed or doesn't have that length or whatever, you may be overlooking something very important, which is, and for pass rushers, it was relentlessness. It's what made Ryan Kerrigan a very effective pass rusher. It's why Montez Sweat, I think, has had a good year for here and Chicago. But just wanted to go on a little spiel on that because I think that's very important. And speaking of that, Brian Robinson. And so, and I'm kind of not staying away from the negative today because I just think we know what this team is. So who are the guys that you can move forward with? Because that's what's important here. We know that they need to have a lot of needs. We know that the line is going to need to be fixed. We know that they're going to need some more help in the secondary, but you know, we've known that. So can they, who can they move forward with? And you look at running back, Brian Robinson, he's a guy that I think he's been underused all year. And I know he missed a couple of games with the hamstring, He's gotten better in a lot of areas. He's gotten a little bit more patient as a runner, but he's a hard-nosed runner. He has a lot of those, what I like to call the FU runs, right? Where you're just, you know what that stands for. But that's that's what he gives them. And you look at that, that he had a couple runs early, a 12-yard run. I think it was like his first carry. First of all, a really good block by Sam Cosme. And Sam Cosme's had a hell of a finish. I mean, he's played really well down the stretch. And I think he is an absolute keeper inside. Early in the year, he had to me, he had to transition to guard, and a lot of it was um, having to learn how to set, right? And I think he's done a better job of that, setting in the pass rush, but he's been really good against the run on the, in the run game, which he was a tackle. Anyway, on this run, you have you just Robinson just makes guys miss, get through the hole, always leaning forward, runs tough, eight yard run a couple plays later, good hard run, good block by Sadiq Charles, and just you know, again, extra yards after contact. He had five-yard runs, extra yards after contact, always, always getting extra yards, but he runs tough and he catches the ball well too. And it's funny because he had that screen early in the game. I think it was for like, what, 22 yards, that screen. And some of these runs are like, it's almost like you saw like, this is the offense you could have been with this philosophy earlier in the year. And that's what's going to be frustrating. I think for some people like, yeah, it was working against a good defense when you're, you've got all these issues. And yet you were still moving the ball and, and being in the game against a really good D despite all that. Why? Well, because you this is what they I think they envision or what some people envision, right? But also on the screen, you had Nick Gates and Sam Cosby getting out in space. Part of the reason why they signed Nick Gates here was because of his athleticism. They knew that they need that out in space a little bit. Well, you saw it on that one. And, and they both, both he and Cosme get out there, set up well. Then you get Robinson breaking through for 22 yards. That's what they start. That's what you, it's like, again, when I saw them, like, this is who they could have been. But it wasn't, but they weren't consistent enough with that. And it's why they are what they are right now. And it's a team that was always kind of looking for who they were. But I do like, I think with Robinson, with he and Chris Rodriguez, I think you have two tough, hard-nosed runners who I think can fit with a few different systems. 
And the question then is, who would be that third back? Well, that's we won't know that for a few more months. Antonio Gibson, a free agent, I'd certainly like to see them add a smaller, shiftier back, the Chris Thompson types. Some guys like that who can provide a little bit more of a darting change of pace type back. Gibson, I think, has been has had a good year too. I think he's run a, a harder than he had the previous couple of years. I think he's done a nice job in the past game. But as a free agent, I just don't know that he'll be back. So you're, even if he does, I'd still look for one of those smaller, shiftier backs just to add something different to this backfield. They have bigger guys who run hard, and I think Gibson has really good speed, but I think you'd like to see some of that shiftiness as well um, just, just because it helps. It's a, it's the change of pace, but it's something different, and I think you could use that. <clears throat> um, Chase Young was back. Didn't do a whole lot, folks, and – you know, to be honest, what he showed today, and I didn't go over every play that he saw. I, I mean, I watched obviously the game and I watched some of these plays again. I can't say that he was all that impressive with what he showed today, just kind of what he's been showing the last couple of games. And when I, in my prep work leading into this game, watch his previous 70 snaps and he wasn't all that great then either. He had a couple, couple pressures, nothing special. And that's kind of what he's today. I'm not trying to rain or, you know, crap on him or whatever, it's just that's what he showed. And, you know, I think it's why there are some people who had concerns about the knee. And I think what you're seeing, too, is this, he's, it's a long season for him coming back off that knee. This is now his 16th game. Or this was his 15th game because he played – he missed their opener. So he's got – he'll play 16 games this year. It's a lot for a guy coming off that. And it seems like the second half of the year has kind of, kind of slowed down a little bit. I know the Niners' pass rush was better with him, their numbers – but as far as Young goes, it wasn't like he was just getting in the backfield a ton. He had a couple, he had one or two decent rushes, but I felt like Cornelius Lucas did a nice job against him. I think Lucas is a really good backup. Um, and so I think, you know, so it wasn't like he had this grand homecoming because I, I mean, we all know what we thought when they traded him. Oh, he's going to come back. He's going to do this and this and this. Well, he, did, he didn't. He had a couple. He had, I think, was a tackle late against the run. And that was really about it. So, um, you know, they did a good job against him, and it just wasn't there for Chase. Uh, and then it's about all I have on Chase. Um, and a couple of the young guys, too, moving forward. This is something I'm going to watch when I go back and rewatch it on Monday, just see what more of what K.J. Henry did, because there are a couple of times early where he flashed. And I think he's flashed in most games, you know, I know Andre Jones was the, the training camp darling because he showed he flashed big time at times, but I think KJ Henry has shown a lot more throughout the year, more consistency and better play against the run more, you know, again, the consistency part of it, I think it gives him a chance to be part of the rotation going forward, not look at him and saying, Oh, he could start next year. I'm not going that far, but is, could he be part of the rotation? I think, yeah, I think he could, I think he's shown enough that he warrants is a good look there. But again, depending on the system there, whatever, whoever comes in is going to play. Um, Quan Martin, I think he's had a good finish to his year. The last, I don't know how many games, but he's been solid. And it's funny because I was talking to somebody yesterday from the organization about that. And just like, you haven't really seen him in a negative way much lately. And it's like, it's almost been quiet, but it's been quiet because he's not giving up those big plays. He did he did have one nice hit on George Kittle today where he jarred, forced an incompletion, but I think he's had a nice finish. He's been a, a he's had a nice finish. Now, does it mean this draft class is suddenly great? No, but it's why you need to give time to let a draft class breathe. But again, everything's going to be dependent on who comes in after this, how they view this group, 
how they fit into what this next group wants to do. Because <clears throat> the other key is Emmanuel Forbes has to be better. And, you know, he, there were, again, I'm generalizing a couple of times. He looked like that's pretty good coverage. A couple of times he got lost or he lost his guy on one of the touchdowns where Purdy scrambles and, and he just lost his guy. And, um, but he has to be a lot better for them next year because a lot of this draft pack class will be remembered by what he does. But I do think you have some guys who can certainly be contributors, KJ Henry, Chris Rodriguez, Quan Martin, but they need that top guy to be something and he's got to go fix his game. And one of the things I think in hindsight, you would like to see a team have is for a guy who's picked in the middle of the first round or lower to have some legit competition for that job, make him earn it. Because I think there's some things that you'd hear now that earlier on were still an issue, but because he didn't have to necessarily earn it or because there were no ramifications for that until he got benched, that maybe he didn't realize what do you have to do? And some of those things could have been told to him maybe earlier in the summer when he had a, you have a chance to work more on technique, more on fundamentals and, and stress it. So that way this kid's got more time to get your message and then get better and get on the field. So that's, that's just being consistent with technique, consistent with your eyes, all that stuff, but he's got to get better for 2024 um, for this class to have any sort of real teeth to it down the, in the future. But again, a lot of these other guys can develop down the road. And I think some of them might, but to what level eh, that guy's got to get better. Um, the other thing that I think this game shows too, is one thing I, I just, I really enjoy watching how the 49ers do things on offense and you see the way little it's little things too, like how they create, some gaps and some angles for their blockers. And they had an early run in the game. I think it was like a nine yard run by McCaffrey. It's just subtle motion. It's like the tight end motions a few feet inside to get on the line. The fullback motions a few feet to get right by the tight end. And what it does is it puts them in better position to get their blocks and then get McCaffrey around the edge. And on this play you had, because you have Trent Williams at tackle, he takes the defensive end, the tight end gets to the linebacker, inside linebacker and by motioning the full the fullback inside, it draws the linebacker up, and Usechek just takes on Khalid Hudson, controls him, and McCaffrey gets around the edge for nine yards. But there are a few times there was another run where it was, um, I think it was a thirteen yard run. Oh yeah, and I like this one too. It's one thing that like when you're watching an offense and watching a good offense, how do they create these runs? And sometimes it's just it's a different look. Or it's it's just again as Logan Paulson likes to say, creating angles and space for the for the blockers to win. And I think these guys do that. And I bring it up because one of the you know Miami runs that that's Frank Smith is down in Miami. So there's a lot of things that he's learned from being with Mike McDaniel, who learned from being with Mike from with Kyle Shanahan. Same with Bobby Sloan. So there's elements of that that are out there that I'd be curious to see, and others can do run a good offense too. But I'm curious to see what happens with that. But there was a 13 yard run where. Um, use check comes across motions across or comes across the formation after the snap. And you have the tight end um, engages with the DN that lets him go. And the DN thinks he's free. And here comes use check to basically trap him. And it's not something you typically see the way they run it, but it creates a gap and it allows McCaffrey to cut up for, I think it was McCaffrey for 20 for 13 yards. Um, it allows the guard to get to the inside linebacker because he's not having to worry about the end. So just a well-designed play. But again, it's just creating a different look for defense and surprise them a little bit and creating that space. Something I'd like to see here and just the emphasis on the run game that Shanahan 
uses. You'd like to see that here too, because I think, again, I think they have a couple power backs that can be good. Add another guy, shift your guy, and you and you should be you could be okay there. So that's all I got today, folks. I went a little bit longer than I wanted to, so I hope I didn't bore you to death. But happy new year, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>